Okay. Hi, and welcome to the Global Dog Activities podcast. Today I'm talking to Jill Van from Cheshire, and she runs Canine School. So, hi, Jill, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Brilliant. Okay, so today you're going to talk about agility. So, over to you when you're ready. Okay. Oh, thanks, Helen. Um, quite often I get asked the question, uh, what is agility? Um, and it depends who I'm speaking to. Um, I'll tell people that I my dogs jump over jumps, they go through tunnels and over dog walks, and they look at me quite blankly. So I'll say it's a little bit like show jumping, but with dogs. And they go, oh, oh, right, okay. Um, I think they still think I'm a little bit mad though. Um, other people, oh yeah, I've seen that. Um, so what what exactly is agility? Um, agility is an obstacle course with your dog. Um, some of you will be aware of that. We go over jumps, um, we go over dog walks, through tunnels, um, look through weave poles, lots of different obstacles. Um, dogs find it really, really good fun. Um, and it's actually, um, you, you go for a clear round basically, but it's the fastest dog with the least faults over the course if you're in a competition. So that basically is what agility is. Um, it's, a, but, it's a bit like um, show jumping then, I guess, where you've got the, uh, obviously with show jumping, they've just got jumps, but various shapes and sizes of jumps, haven't they? So they've got like the wall and um, things like that. And if do cross country, they tend to bring in like jumping over a car, which is a bit extreme. So it's kind yeah. of that, I guess. Yeah. But then you've got things like a, a frame and can you explain what a dog walk is what's what's the dog walk yeah yeah dog walk is basically made of three planks um they they are about i think they're 14 foot long each plank um what you'll find they'll be in two different colors so the main planks are in one color for example my the ones i use um at my my training are red but you'll have a little area at the end which is painted in yellow and that's what we call the contact um point that came in quite a few years ago now for safety to make sure that the dogs don't jump on or off dangerously so they have to touch the contact point um, when you look at the jumps you mentioned about show jumping show jumping you have lots of different colors lots of different shapes cross poles um doubles all the rest in agility we tend to have one height for each dog Different dogs at different heights will have different heights of jumps. Um, for my dogs, my dogs are, are large dogs. Um, so the large height is 600 millimetres high. Um, we also now, just this year, not that we've really had a lot of practice, um, we've brought in the intermediate height, which is 500 millimetres. Then you have medium, which is 400 and small which is just when I'm getting these wrong. Uh, yeah, small 300, sorry, 300 meter, millimetres. Um, so all the heights have come down for this year. Um, we do get doubles, so we'll get a double pole, but let, your first pole will be lower than your, your back pole, but your back pole will be at the height for the dog. But we don't tend to get triples um, like you do in, in your show jumping. Also, you'll only get, you don't get a combination of jumps we get different distances between the jumps. It has to be between five and 10 meters distance if you're competing at a kennel club competition. So tunnels. Is that the same for uh, all um, all sizes of dogs then? So I can understand with the bigger dogs, they need more space between, but what about the smaller dogs? Are they running the same distance? They are, yes. Yeah, so they still, um, they've got a lot more ground to cover than a larger dog. Um, so yeah, they, they, they will have the same distance because it's set at a minimum and a maximum for, for every course. So yeah, we also have tunnels that the dogs go through. Dogs tend to like tunnels. They tend to become tunnel monsters. We'll see a tunnel and they're in there before you know it. Um, we have changed over the years, the equipment's changed. Now we just have what we call it, well, it's a round tunnel, a tube tunnel. Uh, we used to have what we call the flat tunnel, covered or covered tunnel, 
where the dogs went in the entrance and then they had a, a piece of cloth basically in a tube that they have to go through but it was deemed dangerous so that got taken out a couple of years ago so things are changing quite dramatically all, all the time wow. I do remember the, the the ones with the tail wasn't it it was like a tunnel with like a tail that flattened yeah. And it was quite yeah. long. I don't know what how long it was, but it was quite long. And many a dog took a tumble, didn't they? But um, they did. do they still have um like with the tunnels because they're like they're quite flexible, aren't they? Tunnels. Um, yeah. Have they taken the kink out as well now? Have they got to just be straight or on a slight bend? Because they did S, didn't they? They used to S them. Yeah, they did. They used to they used to go on a big U, really sharp U turn or S shape. Um, now they have to either be straight or just in a, a slight curve so there's not a dramatic turn in there um, also things like I, I, I was going through my videos to have a look to if, if I could put any videos on here and um, back in the in the old I'm talking when I say the old days maybe talking about eight years ago my my boy was sort of starting out um, you you would see the tunnels were quite um, compressed the way they were strapped together so they were held still um also some sometimes you would find a dog run into the, the strapping so things have changed a lot again and now what we recommend is every meter along the tunnel there should be a tunnel bag but not strapped down so that it compresses the tunnel so it's always 600 millimeter height for the dog to go through makes it easier and safer for the dog that's interesting because I, I do um, hoopers and they're 80, 80 centimetres for the for the tunnel and a maximum of two metres. So they're shorter and, and taller uh, to accommodate. I mean, especially with hoopers, you tend to get all so many different breeds coming in and doing it that we're, you know, obviously accommodates for the giant breeds like the Newfoundlands and, the, you know, those sort of extra, extra large breeds as well. But um yeah. you can't accommodate for everything can you that's the thing you can't no you can't because funny enough we used to have a newfoundland oh. we didn't do agility with him but he was very good for cleaning the tunnels for us <laughs> <laughs> because of his size we didn't used to to jump him um he didn't like contact equipment like the dog walks the a ramps he really didn't like doing them so we we just yeah, every now and again yeah go through the tunnel get the dust out of there <laughs> you're very good at that <laughs> so what other equipment is there so we've got the jumps and the tunnels and the dog walks what else have we got so the dog walk is part of what we call the contact equipment so you also have an a-frame um, a lot of people think if you say a ramp people will probably have a better idea of what i mean which is basically two um it goes up in an a so you've got your, your two uh, ramps that go up together um again they have the contact area at the bottom so the dog touches it going up goes over the top touches it coming down um five volts for not touching the contacts um then we have the seesaw which probably the name explains what it does. Again, it's a plank. Um, the dog goes onto it, goes up, gets to the pivot point, it drops. Um, again, they have to touch the contact areas at the, each end. Um, they get faulted for not touching the contact. If the, um, the dog comes off the seesaw before it hits the floor, they'll get um, also get point faults for that as well um, just to make it safer so they don't alight while it's up in the air which is something my, one of my dogs did on his first ever show first ever seesaw this is really exciting straight off the end of it he only did it once thank goodness <laughs> so they used to do um they used to have tires didn't they suspended tires that dogs had to go through yeah we still have a tire um but they've changed again over the years um they used to be suspended on ropes or chains um again could be quite dangerous um they changed to my tire that i've got at the minute is um a soft soft tire so it's like foam but um, um 
hoping to get soon the newest tyre, the latest one, which is what we use at competition, which is actually a collapsible tyre. So there's different ways and um, they, they have the magnet magnets in them. So some will open up like a barn door if the dog hits it. Some the bottom will drop off, uh, but they're held in by magnets. So that again just makes it safer because there have been a few nasty accidents where dogs have pulled the tire through as, as they've hit it, pulled it over and they've caused a little bit of harm to the backs or their legs. So in a, in a normal year, let's go for a normal year, um, <laughs> how many shows are run during the year? Well, can, if, I, if I go, there's different organisations, um, Kennel Club are the main ones, um, they're on every weekend. Um, back years ago when I started, in about 2004, um, it was mainly sort of Easter to September, maybe into October and then a bit of a break over the winter. Now they're basically the shows all year round. So every weekend there's quite quite a range, probably between five, ten shows every weekend, especially during the summer, less obviously over the winter months when we have to go inside. Mm -hmm. But then you get um, UKA shows, that's UK Agility. So that's a, a separate organisation. Um, similar rules but different if that makes any sense um, they they both have their own set rule books so you have to remember which one you, you you're running at um, but they they again they have shows all through the year and then there's a lot of unaffiliated shows as well now um, which are great because they often offer um, the UKA shows the UK agility they they allow you to trade in the ring kennel club you're not allowed to but the a lot of the unaffiliated now they allow training in the ring which is really good for getting your young dog started so, so i understand you've got some videos have you got some videos to i've, I've got some basic <laughs> basic videos so we need to see we need to see basic we, you know watching a dog doing it perfect is brilliant but we need to see it so i'm just going to switch you over to host so just bear with me there we go hopefully you should be host now and you can pop your videos i'm looking forward to these right let me do this i'm gonna leave them without the volume on because this first one it's quite loud that's good might set my dogs off <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> so it'll probably set my dog off because this yeah. this boy here this is this is my malinois ruger um he was this was one of his first shows that he ever did um he did get eliminated although you probably won't notice that on the video um because i just carried on and didn't make a big issue of it because it was just getting confidence for him. He's quite a scared dog. He's um, nervous of things, um, people, dogs. So for him to do this was a, a, an amazing achievement. So I'll just show you how he did. This <laughs> Take that volume off. As you can tell, it is quite, quite loud. So for him to have all those people walking past is yeah. quite a bit and to ignore them. I have to excuse our video videoing skills. This is where he takes the wrong jump but just carry on. He doesn't know he's taking the wrong jump and what I like is he's happy, he's got the confidence to, to run on on this last section here. And he's actually running into people and dogs, which for him is quite a scary experience. Mm. So something I find is that agility is um, really good for all sorts of different dogs, dogs with issues. Um, for Ruger's what I call a reactive dog, he's, he doesn't like other dogs. Um, he's scared of people. He won't look for trouble. He'll stay out of trouble. Um, but as you can see, he's really focused. On, on that video so for him to do that I think was re really really good it took a lot of training though <laughs> to get him to that level and um, trusting him as well 
Um, but you can see he's actually happy. He, he runs out at the end. He gets his toy at the end. So even though he got eliminated, as I say, rather than stopping him, I just carried on. Um, didn't want to knock, it, knock his confidence to say, look, that was the wrong jump. Because when I look back, it was my fault anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> which it normally is. Um, so he got his toy. He had a good play at the end of that. Unfortunately, he just couldn't see that on, on the video. But, but it's nice that you can um, you can carry on, can't you? Because they do allow you. They don't say you've made an error. You have to stop. They're quite happy yeah. to carry on. And um, and like you said, it, the running does produce those happy hormones, doesn't it? So it helps the dogs yeah. a lot. So yeah. yeah, I used to do some show jumping. So when I did my first agility show and I got eliminated, I got my dog and said come on let's leave the ring and the judge said no carry on <laughs> I was like I've been eliminated and they're like yeah but just carry on I was like oh this is great yeah so it is good because you can just carry on and uh, finish your run yeah it's not quite the same so um yeah I mean I've over the years I've trained a lot of different people with the dogs um, I started canine school up in Lancashire back in 2008 I was struggling to find training for my dog, so I set up my own my own school. But I've had a lot of different people come to me and say, um, I've got a, a one lady had a German Shepherd. Um, she'd rescued him, but she was petrified of him. And she said, I can't let him go near dogs. I'm, I'm really scared. And it just wasn't the right dog for her at that moment in time. However, um, she'd come to classes. She listened. She worked with him. Um, she ended up going to some little affiliate, unaffiliated shows as well. Had some really good fun. Um, now she's got two German Shepherds <laughs> um, and she absolutely loves the breed. Um, but for her, it was just coming in, doing work, getting focus on her with the dog. Um, that was great. Um, another dog, um, I had a lady, she come to me for obedience classes and her dog um she turned up on the first day um for, for the training the dog had a flat collar on um a um, check chain a harness and about three leads everything had a lead attached to it <laughs> and, the dog, and the dog was also wearing a muzzle <laughs> so oh, and she was absolutely petrified to bring the dog into a room where there were other dogs. Um, we ended up working with her. Um, we got rid of the, the check chain was the first thing to go. Um, we got rid of the um, putting the lead on the collar. So we just had the lead on the harness. And we did a, we, we did a lot of recalls with him. And one day my husband had actually taken the lead off. <laughs> She didn't realise. <laughs> Called her dog back quite confidently. Dog went back to her. Yeah, just get hold of your dog, give him loads of praise, treats. And the, the rest is history, really, because after that, she then joined the agility class and she actually could take the dog in the end into a class with other dogs and run him around the agility course. Mm -hmm. um, she had the confidence to do it. So you can see where it can bring a lot of confidence in. Um, for me, having that experience with Ruger does help because I knew, I knew when I put him in a sit-stay, he was only focused on me, wasn't worried about any, anything else. And I think that was his happy place being in the ring as well. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think when you find any activity that um, the dogs enjoy and the owners enjoy, I think that alone starts to fix so many behaviours, doesn't it? Um, it does. And it doesn't really, yeah. I mean, I would say just generally, it doesn't really matter what sport you go into. Obviously, some of them are a bit more uh, extreme, but um, it's, it's just fine. Something I think it also takes it away from the owner having to worry about just focusing on the behaviour side of things. So they can actually yeah. enjoy the dog. I've actually stopped doing the majority of the behaviour work now. And if I get a behaviour client coming in, I, I channel them into doing a dog sport and I do that instead. And yeah. the the bond and relationship they have just grows, just grows far more than if you just focused on stop the dog from barking at other dogs, stop the dog from barking from 
you know, traffic or whatever. We just focus on other things and they just create such a relationship. It just, it blossoms into something else instead. It certainly does. Because it takes the handler focus away from worrying about the dog as well is what I find. Because they have to think about other things. Um, I listened to the podcast about man trailing, which was excellent. Um, I took my boy Ruger. He had to retire from agility, unfortunately, at five year old. And I took him to man trailing. And he's scared of people, strangers. Anyone who's in his, his group, he's happy with but it doesn't like strangers and um, to actually get to the end of a trail and someone's there with a little box full of food. He was like, Oh, I quite like this. <laughs> so again, unfortunately I've not kept it up only because some of the areas we were going through, I just wasn't confident because we have children and dogs running at him and I just didn't want to do that with him. But when I was in enclosed areas, it was great because he really enjoyed it. So like you yeah. say, it does take, Focus, whatever sport mm. we go for yeah yeah um i mean i often get asked why do you do agility because people are sort of it's it's a bit they think it's a little bit weird putting your dog over jumps um lots of reasons i i enjoy it obviously that's why i do it um that's what most of my life goes revolves around agility teaching it going to classes tomorrow i've got a workshop in the morning and i've got a workshop in the afternoon both that i'm attending just turned out both on the same day um but for me um yeah i just just enjoy it it can be quite addictive um but i also like we were just saying it does create that real good bond and relationship between handler and dog and in a fun environment as well um my young girl amazing agility dog for me um we just don't put it, get together in the ring but i'm training she's absolutely amazing um but i don't know whether it's the agility she likes or the toy at the end <laughs> i think if i took the toy away the agility would be a little bit different um it's also good for fitness so it, it gets the dogs my girl's a little bit overweight at the minute because we've with lockdown um we've I couldn't get to my field because my field is in North Wales and I wasn't allowed in there for a few months. Um, so I was taking her to the local park. It's not quite the same because I can't just let her run um, with my other dogs. Um, we were doing a lot of road walking and that sort of thing. It just didn't do the same. Now we're back into training. Um, we're, get, we're getting fit, fitter together as well. Um, and I think for a lot of dogs, it does, it can extend their lives because people are more aware of keeping keeping them fit. So it, apart from enriching it, it does actually extend the, their lives as well, keeps them fitter for longer. Um, yeah. And, I suppose and, also with the diet, they must be more, they're more in tune with the diet, aren't they? Because you wouldn't... Mm. If you've, if you've got a pet dog, maintenance food, absolutely fine, whatever it happens to be. But when you're looking at trying to produce an athlete, and especially yeah. now where it is all year round, when, when it was, you know, within a bracket of a few months, I guess you could do the maintenance diet the rest of the time or when, if you weren't training so much. But the minute the competition has came in. But I bet the diet now has changed massively, hasn't it, over the years? It, it's a bit of a minefield now with food. Um, obviously, raw is the big thing that people use. And uh, I'm one of them bad handlers that doesn't use raw food. <laughs> so I use kibble. Um, but I use high quality kibble. Um, my girl, it, it's a bit of a weird one because she's about, I'll, I'll put a video on of her. Um, she is at the minute, in fact, I don't think I've got a recent video. Um, but at the minute she's a little bit overweight but in the past we had issues trying to get her to put weight on <laughs> so we i've had her on a high fat content diet um high protein and that now I've, I've just had to change it so we've just changed the diet but the research into it which one do i put her on and working out which is the best one for her so the, the ones recommended by the manufacturer I use um, didn't really suit her. 
so I've had to work around it so I've just found a new one now which hopefully is going to help her lose weight but satisfies her as well because she is a uh, very very hungry dog <laughs> Yeah, yeah so having had Ma I've, I've yeah. got malamore now i've got i've got three malamore and um had eight at one point um wow. at, yeah crazy life um yeah and i and i one of mine in particular would have literally been in that sack of dog food she just would have lived in it she was quite happy munching away she wouldn't have stopped she was an absolute greedy dog um i mean i think malamore generally are good eaters i, don't, I think there's obviously going to be the rare one um but their stomachs can be a little bit odd as well can't they as well so not, not all foods do actually suit mally tummies i think i've been lucky with mine in that they can eat most things um i don't even have to i can just go from one food to another and it doesn't tend to upset them um and they can eat anything um but ruka he, he enjoys his food but eats slowly eats one piece of kibble at a time <laughs> Which is quite unusual for a Malinois, the other one inhales their food. <laughs> and that's out of a slow feeding bowl. <laughs> I think we need a whole other episode on... On food. Mad, mad Malinois. <laughs> um, so if you, um, if you look at the agility, so is there an age that the dogs can start? And what about the kids? Can they start? any age as well oh yeah interesting um for your dogs um they always say if you, if you ask someone when can you start a dog at agility they'll say 12 months um my last two have started at because because i've had them as put that they've only ones have really had that young um they've started at eight weeks but when we talk about doing agility we're not really doing jumping or anything like that um i are in my my youngest one she was still at 12 months she was still only jumping at small height because i don't want to push it too soon um so it foundation work can be done from day one from getting you getting your pop um in fact if i just share photograph here um Oops. get rid of that um just something foundation wise is obviously the toy play <laughs> so <laughs> i had to put the cute puppy picture on um this is our in at about 10 weeks old um i had a bag full of little teddies and she used to pick a favorite one out we used to play with that and she would amuse herself as well so getting them doing the foundation stuff playing that's that's a really good thing at a very very young age um not nothing like jumping or anything like that um it's all just about being a puppy but i do things that are going to be of value later on um this video to play this um this i think she was about six months old so you'll notice here there's no poles on here um, all we're doing is it's engagement with me and the toy. So she's just getting around the wing, um, do a wrap, she gets the toy at the end of it. So when you talk about foundation work, you're talking about the, the, like the building blocks of trying to get behaviours rather than actually um, the jump. Yes, yeah. So we're asking her here to really I want I'll just take the volume off. What I want is engagement with me. So I want her to work with me. Um I'm asking her to go around the wings. Everything is rewarded with the toy at the end of it. Um she doesn't work for food, although she's an absolute pig when it comes to eating. If you're out on an agility field, she's too excited to eat. So I've I do use a manners minder, but I find that she'll do a couple of times with the manners minder. She'll have a little bit of food. Um, for anyone who's not sure on that, the manners minder is a remote control treat dispenser. So send her to it. She I, I press a button. It gives a bleep and it gives her a bit of food. Um, I find toys for her, and I think with a lot of malinois are the same. You'll get a lot better 
um, response. But yeah, I want engagement, I want to work in with me, focused on me, not worrying about the environment, what's going on around. Um, I think this one is, again, it's just similar sort of thing. I'm doing the wing grabs, but you'll actually see we've got a horse in the background. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's not taking any notice of the horse at all. Um, that field there um, has sheep in it sometimes. Sometimes it did have cows in it for a, a little while. So she got used to um, doing her work. And I, I did actually take that jump closer to the fence line so that the animals were actually there in her eye line. And it's just getting her to focus on, on the task in hand rather than other things. But everything is about the toy. I'm not sure so if, if, that. if you've got a dog that isn't uh, toy driven, so I do agree, Malinois can flip, but they are. I think they're better off with toys. Um, yeah. But if you've got another dog that is more food driven, yeah. How do you then? Because you can quite free with the toy, aren't you? With the toy, you can kind of move around and flow. It, yeah. Is there a different technique if you're using food? um yes it's i say the manners manager is a really good invention i've got a picture here this this is not the best video in the world but this shows a dog that's not really toy orientated although she does on this one go for a toy um when i first got so this is my um old girl now she's retired she's 13 now um she's a taveran cross german shepherd we think because she was a stray um she had no toy drive whatsoever um, and I used to give her food at the end, but she's not the most driven dog in the world either. So I find without the toy, you don't tend to get the drive. Um, there's a lot of different techniques that we use now. Um, this, I say she's, um, 13 now. So I started training her, what, 11 years ago. Um, nowadays, I don't know if you've seen the toys that are um, they're called clams. So yeah. it's basically, yeah, on a on a uh, on a rope um, toy on a rope. It's got Velcro. You can put the, the treat into the Velcro, and that's a really good motivator for the dogs that are not really toy driven because they know when that gets thrown, they can open it up, or they might have to wait for you to open it up, depending on the size of the dog. Um, but that that is a good way of dispensing the food but remotely from you because although I want engagement with my dog I do want them looking ahead as well so I don't want them focused on me because when they focus on me they tend to um, lose their speed I'll show you on this this girl this is this she, she's a lovely girl um, she did quite well she did get to grade five at kennel club which is um, pretty good because um, I never expected her to make an agility dog but you'll see that she's not really driving on ahead <laughs> I, she always had to be with me I always had to be there um, but what we've got here I say this is a girl a dog that doesn't really do toys but the trainer threw the toy in so I, I was running, I was doing the agility. Um, I wasn't having to worry about the toy, but my trainer said, I'll throw the toy in for you. And that actually worked for Zara, although I don't think many Mallies will come and just drop it at your feet. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned about the, the, um, the clam, because um, uh, I've used a pencil case before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the same, yeah yeah brilliant um yeah, yeah that will work exactly the same <laughs> you can make make your own up yeah <laughs> but yeah we're looking we're always looking for different ways um to do to reward um one of the things i've used in the past is a food bowl so just a bit of food in the in the bowl problem with that is if you don't want the dog to get the reward it's quite difficult to take it away if you're sending the dog onto it so the toy, toys work really, really well. It is handy having a trainer at the other end who can hold yeah. the toy. At, yes. As long as the dog, I mean, you know, if the dog hasn't seen the trainer get it type of thing, then, then it's ideal because the trainer can be in the right place at the right time to drop yeah. the toy. And also it's the, 
if you're carrying it, you'd have to lob it, wouldn't you? So again, that kind of makes, I would guess, the dog keep looking at you like, are you going to lob it? Are you going to lob it? Are you going to lob it? Where if someone else is doing it, it just suddenly appears, doesn't it? So It does. It's timing of the toy or timing of the reward is really, really important. Um, what I'm finding, I was trying to do some videos this afternoon and um, I had the toy on me. I had a mag magnet so I could just pull my ball and throw it. But I found that she, yeah, they're brilliant, absolutely amazing um, because I don't have to have it in my hands so she's not looking at it. But I found twice she knocked the last pole because as I went for the toy, she turned and looked at me because she knew the toy was coming. So it's just finding that happy medium. It's my timing is the, the issue. But that is another way of doing it. The magnetic ball is an absolutely brilliant way. Of, of to explain a bit more about that because I know what you're talking about but I don't think yeah, our listeners will understand fine. yeah basically what it is it's two magnets they go on your top so you just put one inside one outside the ball's got a magnet attached to it on the string and then that just goes on to you so I have it up here and then when I need it I just pull the rope and fling it <laughs> or put it where, where I need it give it to the dog usually it's throw it <laughs> Yeah. I've seen some great videos of um, uh, people have put it over their shoulders. So it's actually like coming out of their back, if you like. And the yeah. dogs in the dogs in heel work doing rally or schutzend or whichever. And then and then the handler says okay or break or whatever. And the dog dives around the back of the owner, leaps up the back and grabs the ball. So <laughs> it's kind of whoa, that's a whole, a whole new level. Of go and get your own toy, you know. <laughs> I like that. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, okay, have you got any more videos? Um, I think that's all the ones. Let me just say, I think I've shown you all the ones. I just put that um, together earlier, so I've got others on my computer. But I think I've shown you all the. That's Did I show absolute... you this one? Did I show you this one? I can't remember whether I did. I'll, I'll show you the, this oh, is just one. yeah this this is just Darren um just teaching her to drive on so what I do here um on this one I'm going to recall her so I mean this is a good thing about agility as well it brings in all your other skills of obedience so your stays your recalls um you sit you down so you can use all of this in agility so I'm going to do a recall here um but I would also try it where I send her to a dead toy. So put the toy on the floor, send her on so she's working away from me. Or I might even go to the second wing, stand here or on the other side. So I'm working either side and call her and then pass me onto the toy. But this is just a normal recall. Okay. And again, there's the toy. <laughs> That's the reward for her um, and that's 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 her motivation to do anything is there's a toy so um there are various ways of handling so um i remember going to newbury for their easter show many years ago and there were some very spectacular handlers it was really impressive to watch them run around with their dogs um, yeah, but I was more impressed with the lady who basically left her dog, went into the centre, and then cued her dog to go round the course. She moved a little bit, but not hugely. And the dog just did the jumps and the lefts turned and the right turned and the dog walk. And so, um, do, are you finding more and more people are running with their dogs now? Because that seems to be. A lot of people seem to be running with their dogs as if that is the only way to do agility. But I know a lot of people who couldn't do that physically. Um, yeah. What's happening with the sport in that kind of direction? Uh, it's funny. Uh, sorry, I was trying to get a video then and I couldn't find it. So I've come off okay. the share. But funny enough, um, tomorrow I said I've got two workshops. Um, one I'm going on is with a, an amazing lady called Joanne Arrell. Um, she does distance handling. Um, I went and worked with her in July and she's coming to our club tomorrow. And 
I'll show you. I've did a video today, funny enough, of Aaron. So if you want to see distance handling, I can show you if uh, if I get the right video. Let me just check. Just make sure this is the right video. Right, the um, sorry about this, just uh, I think this is the one. Yeah, this is this is if I share screen with this, um, just a second. Don't know what I've done here. Right, that should be it. Um, yeah, but basically, um, this this is what I've been doing with Aaron. Um, we'll see if see if this is the right video to play. Because I'm just going to stand still. This is just something I set up today. No, sorry, it's the wrong video. But I'm not doing a lot of work. Or I'm just sort of in the middle with her, so I'm not giving her a lot of help. Um, I did a, a video, I can't, I've not got it on my computer to show you um, what I did with Joanne Oral, which was amazing. Um, yeah, a lot of people now, what you're finding is um, people are struggling to run. Um, for me, <laughs> that dog is really fast. <laughs> Um, yeah. she, is, she is amazingly fast that wasn't fast for her um, and I can't keep up with her so um, I used to be a runner I'm not a runner anymore so I've decided I'm going to do a little bit of a mixture of both so I will run but when I can't keep with her because there's been so many times and I've been one end of the arena and she's been the other so that's why I went for the distance handling um, but there are people, um, I've actually trained um, someone who had two crutches that she always walked with, um, with their Bichons, and they loved it. Um, but it was a case of we, we helped her to get the distance in um, before she had to do anything. She never competed, but she just comes to the classes for the fun of it. Um, another lady had a walking stick. She she competed with that because you are allowed to carry a walking aid in the ring, obviously, if you need it. Um, and I also taught a, a young girl. She was only twelve. Um, with the, she she had she was visually impaired. Um, for her, it was quite difficult. She was we used to train indoors, and she was running a black lab, and she had uh, tunnel vision. So she couldn't see a lot. Um, for her, she could run. She'd walk the course and Nan used to walk the course with her and she'd walk around the course. And with the dog, we, we got, she actually got the dog a little fluorescent jacket, a yellow jacket, um, very flimsy so that if she caught it on anything, it would just rip. And she could actually see where the dog was going and she was absolutely amazing. She was an inspiration. Um, she did do some of our dog displays for us as well. She was on the team. She was great. So yeah, there is a lot more of it of it going around. There are people who do do agility and wheelchairs, and they're absolutely amazing to watch and watch the dogs running. So that's my aim to do a bit of distance, but not all distance. <laughs> well. Okay, um, what sort of breeds are, are, are able to do this? I, I appreciate, for me, every breed can do everything, but within the parameters of the breed, you know, limitations of the breed. So um, what, what, what do you find as the, uh, like which sort of breeds do the agility? Well, obviously the best breed is the Malinois. <laughs> any, any breed, any breed can, any breed can to a degree. And it will depend on the makeup of the dog. Um, if you get a fat Malinois, they're not going to be good at agility. Um, if you get, 
I mean, the longer back dogs, the dash hounds, they need to be fit. They're probably not the dog I would recommend for agility, um, but most of them are pretty good. Um, I had a German Shepherd. I started out with a, a, um, a long-haired German Shepherd, Frank. Everyone who knew Frank um, loved him. He was a gentle giant, but he was a 50-kilo um, German Shepherd. He was perfect in that he never knocked poles. He always got every contact. Um, he didn't like weaving, but he was very long because he was actually a lot bigger than my, our Newfoundland that we had at the time. Um, with him, I never competed at full height. I only ever did any size, so we only ran at small height or medium height. Um, so you, you've got to look at your dog because German Shepherds can be fantastic agility dogs, but him, he was just he was just too big, so I wouldn't have put him through a full sort are of. There any, um, are there um, any health uh, tests you would recommend doing before um, before tackling a course or going to a trainer? Um, Physio checks, chiro checks, really good. Um, I go to a. We, I'm lucky in that in our area we've actually got a vet who's a physio, um, and he's got a lot of people at work in his surgery that are chiropractors and all sorts of different disciplines. Um, they do the treadmill and all that sort of thing. So um, Orin is she's not had it done yet. She was booked in to have a full check where. They actually, because technology's gone mad now, they actually photograph them with thermal imaging cameras and then you um, warm them up, do a full 20-minute warm-up and then they video them again. Um, they'll tell you which muscles are warming up properly and which ones aren't. Wow. So that then give you your warm-up procedure. Um Unfortunately, she's been booked in twice, and both days when I've been, because my other my old girls had a ligament, uh, did a cruciate, so I booked Aaron in at the same time, and um, both days it was like twenty eight, twenty nine degrees. <laughs> so, um, in the last month, so they've said come back in September, October. So I'm going to get that done for her, because I think it is important to to get stuff like that done. Would you have the hips and the elbows um, tested as well? I don't. Um, I have done in the past. Um, if I've, As soon as I feel there's anything wrong, I've had the dogs checked out. Um, Ruger, for example, um, he was great. He just got up to grade five. Um, he was five-year-old and he was coming on really nice. He did a couple of shows at grade five. He was coming in the top three. Um, he's going clear and then it suddenly just started coming out of there's the weave poles can be anything between 5 and 12 weave poles and if it was 12 he was coming out at number 10 consistently at number 10 um, took him to the physio and they said he's got a neck problem so had him uh, checked did some work um, got him back into the ring and he started doing it again. Had him checked out, um, did a lot of work with him, but eventually um, one of the discs went, it bulged in his neck. Um, sadly, that wouldn't show, that itself wouldn't show up, but that possibly was one of the, the uh, problems that he'd had. So if, they, if as soon as they start knocking poles, if they don't normally knock poles, if they start coming out of the weaves, refusing stuff and it's well worth getting a specialist fat check rather than a I would always say a specialist or a chiropractor to have a look at them because they'll feel things um Ruger had a lot of massage and he did get that he did feel a lot better for it they did loosen him up but then he had this serious thing with his neck which I just give it up just give the jealousy up I mean, it, it's our choice. It's our it's our hobby, whatever it, it is. is. At the end yeah. of the day, and yeah. they love it. But if it's going to be, if they're not well enough to do it, then they're not. No, we need to. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because with Ruger, he was he he did love the agility, 
Um, and I was a bit worried a five-year-old Malinois is going to be a nightmare. But he's actually settled into retirement quite well. <laughs> so he has a run every day, plays, plays with his ball. He's still 10-year-old now. He's still ball mad. Um, I play, play games with him. Sometimes he'll go through the tunnel. I don't jump him or anything like that. I might he's, send he's, him randomly. He's, he's come and try hoopers. <laughs> I, I have actually, yeah, and now I keep saying I will. Um, and I've done a little bit because um, I did did have someone next uh, in the field next to me who was doing hoopers. So I've tried him a few times with hoopers and he is pretty good at it. He did an introduction to hoopers. We're getting an awful lot of retired um, agility dogs coming through doing it and yeah. also funny enough people who want to improve their distance handling because because with the hoopers of so many people are just standing still and the dogs are doing i mean they're not just going around in a circle you know these are these are spinning in and out and going around and they're only just stand still and the dog just goes around i think a lot of agility people are going oh hang on a minute just <laughs> <laughs> have a go at this hoopers thing but you know i mean yeah. both the sports should could work together couldn't they really you could you could you could encompass the two so okay um where would people find out more about agility okay if you there's a really good website agilitynet.co.uk um that's got lots of information about agility but it's also got a section which is called clubs and private tuition so if you go on there, you can put your postcode in and it will bring up trainers in your area. You can also go on the Kennel Club website um, for Kennel Club registered clubs or anyone who's um, listed with the Kennel Club, they, they will come up on their, their list as well. Is there any, if they were looking at trainers, so I always recommend people go, go three times without their dog. Um, yeah. Within that three times, you're going to know whether you like the way the person's working or not, whether it's going to suit you or not, etc. Um, but there are are there, are there things that you'd be looking at that you would, would maybe put you off going to a trainer or things you really love about a trainer? What what would you be looking for? Um, definitely, I should say, recommend go and have a look at least once. Um, I would be looking at the methods. Um, what what are they doing? Um, are they using toys? Are they using food? Or how are they treating the dogs? Do the dogs look happy? Um, also, do the the owners look happy as well? Because <laughs> there's no, no point in going if if everyone's going to be miserable. Um, so yeah, yeah. So you're looking at everything. Um, it and it'll depend on what you're looking for for your training. Do you want to go just for fun? Um, for example, I've, I've done classes where people have just gone as it's been a social. And as a trainer, it can be quite frustrating because you're like, well, does anyone want to have a go at the agility? But they're all having a chat, but they're having a good time. Um, or do you want to go for competition? So what sort of level of tuition are you getting? I've just started a new class with my girl on uh, Wednesday night, and it was fab. We got to walk the course. We ran it. We got given feedback and then we did the difficult bits and then we ran the whole thing again. So if you're looking for competition, that's the sort of thing you're looking for. But again, it's all, is it fun or is it you must? I've been to trainers where I, I had a rescue dog who'd been attacked on the start line. Um, and I got told, your dog must stay. <laughs> And I said, well, she won't. Well, you must train her to stay. Mm -hmm. And I said, but I understand why she doesn't stay. And it's not the end of the world. We might get five bolts or we might get eliminated. It's not the end of the world. So it's, it, it's looking at what you want as well from your dog. And what sort of equipment, apart from the jumps and the A-frames and stuff like that, what other equipment uh, would you recommend that people use or don't use? Um... Looking at what your dog's wearing is uh, um, for the, ru the rules of agility state that your dog can only wear a flat collar, so um, leather or webbing collar, um, no tag on the, on the dog, 
Um, so my dogs have got the numbers written on, the phone number written on, because I don't like my dog not to have ID on. And they also have flat tags on there. Um, I wouldn't use anything like choke chains. Um, I've had two separate occasions. I've had people turn up with um, pinch collars on the dogs because apparently it was to motivate the dog. Um, I've yeah, it's quite okay. quite unbelievable, quite quite a strange one. I'm trying, I'm trying um, to work out. That was a Labrador. How, how does that work out? Motivation. How does pain equal motivation? I don't. There's, that doesn't work, does it? Now, for me, the only motivation is that you don't want the pain, so you do. But the one was a lab that kept pulling, and the lady said, I can only walk the dog on this, and, and I've been to a really good trainer who's taught me to do this. So I said, she didn't come back funny enough, because <laughs> I asked her to take it off. <laughs> and she never come back after that. And then the other one was on a German Shepherd, same thing. Um, it's the only way to work the dog because the dog doesn't listen without this. Um, but I actually had that dog's sister in another class. And I said, it's funny how the sister listens without her. Oh. And they were from the same litter. Um, again, she, she didn't come back because the trainer in that area had told her that that's the way to train the dog. Um, so that's the sort of thing I wouldn't use. Um, so, um, I mean, in the past I've used um, half check collars, but again, not, not tend, don't, don't tend to use them anymore. Um, my dogs are on flat collars um, for training and harnesses. Um, I use, I'm just saying I do a bit of canny cross with my girls, so I use harnesses for that. But if I'm out for a walk, I'll put a harness on her. Yeah, because they can't they can't be in a harness to jump, can they? No, no. I'd always say don't use a harness. I've seen people do agility with harnesses. Oh, they can't use them in competition. And I'll I'll say take them off for training. It's only that if the dog falls off anything or catches it, it's it's a lot more to get caught. So the dog's better with just that collar. Some people don't just run the dogs with no collar as well. Because um, in the old days, you probably remember when you when uh, we started, um, you didn't wear collars at all. I uh, think it, I think that aren't the rules down to if you're on private land, they don't need to wear the collar. But if they're on public land, as in you know council ground, then they have to. I think that's where the I think the kennel club kind of blankets that with every um, every sport that they they they're part of. They basically say the same thing. If you're on public, uh, uh, private land, it doesn't matter so much, obviously. But if you're on council land, you have to. Yeah, their dog yeah. has to wear a, a collar. Yeah, all all they say is that they um. The it I don't think actually you've got me thinking now. You must wear a flat. I think it's you, you can go without a collar, but like you say, it's down to where you are. Um, for me, when I used to run my my dog Frank, um, he used to run away when he saw the weaves <laughs> and that used to scare me because um, in those days you couldn't wear, they couldn't have a collar on and I used to think well if he does run away, he didn't run far, he used to just run out the ring and stand and wait for me but <laughs> it always did worry me if he's not got a collar on, is, is he going to get lost? Yeah. No, no idea. Yeah. Wow. It, it is um yeah i mean it's a different things I mean, it always surprises me that um i mean have i teach rally so it's the same in rally that um uh like they they'll have just like a single strand of um fence lining whatever it happens to be tape or whatever and some poles yeah. and you're like that dog could just do a runner at any time <laughs> wants to yeah. go out it's going to go out and the same as dogs coming in as well, isn't it? So just basically any dog could come into the ring. Uh, are the lower classes, do they have the mesh? I call it the orange, orange, um, you know, building site stuff. So do the lower classes have that orange mesh? Not necessarily. It depends which show you go to. Um, I, I started with, with um, my, well, my, my old girl quite a few years ago. Um, she's no longer with me, but I had a Gronendahl cross German Shepherd. 
um, she had issues. She was she was the one who got attacked by another dog on the start line. So she became a little bit reactive. Um, she wasn't too bad, but certain breeds she didn't like. Or she'd I put her in the stay and I turned around, she'd gone back to find my husband. <laughs> she used to run off a lot. Um, so I I just said that's it, I'm giving up agility, there's no point because um, she's running off, um, she doesn't like it. But I did find an unaffiliated show, someone actually got in touch with me and said come and work her, she's a really good dog, so come and work her at our shows. And they actually had metal barriers all around the, the ring so the dog couldn't go anywhere. Wow. But generally at your big shows it's just like you say it's just take or sometimes you will get the builders fence yeah. but not at all shows <laughs> i find it really i find it really odd with the rally so the lower classes are on lead in rally okay yeah. and they have the mesh yeah, right when, you, when yeah. you move up to the next one and your dog is off lead then you're onto the single strand and in my head, I'm going, that is so right the wrong way. <laughs> if your dog's on the lead, you don't need the orange mesh, do you? You know, but um, um, yeah. that's, a, that's a whole other podcast, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been absolutely lovely to speak to you, Jill. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, and I hope we can catch up again, because I think we have a huge number of subjects to talk about, actually. I don't think it's just agility. So I think I'll bring you back again for another subject, if that's okay. Thank you. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, you're right cancelling the, the podcast. I am, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Okay, take care. Bye. Oh, thanks, Alan. Ta-ra.